The following content is provided to you as a ministry of Snowbird Wilderness Outfitters, a high-adventure Christian wilderness camp in Andrews, North Carolina. Snowbird Wilderness Outfitters exist to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ through the exposition of Scripture and personal relationships in order to equip the church to impact this generation. For more information, visit our website at swoutfitters.com or follow us on Twitter using the handle at SnowbirdSwo. Enjoy the message. Hey, everybody. High schoolers, this is nice. Just have the high school. It smells nicer in here. Less, less BO, less Axe body spray. This is nice. So hopefully everybody's got a little more room, too. Um, for real, though, I'm excited to, uh, to just have high schoolers in here because that means that we can go a bit deeper. Uh, so if you've got a Bible, let's go to Ephesians chapter 3. That's where we'll be for tonight. Ephesians chapter 3, we're going to start in verse... 14. Um, so, you know, we're going through the Father heart of God. And, uh, man, when we started praying about this, it was really, uh, really kind of heavy because we know that, you know, there's a, a pretty large percentage of you guys statistically that, uh, that don't have a good relationship with your dad. And so we know that this, for a lot of y'all, is a, a difficult topic to look through. But, man, it's so important that even larger than our relationship with our earthly dads, to see God as the real father, as the good father. And so two things I want to look at in this passage, two things I think Paul is talking about, about God as our father. The first thing is, man, I I just want us to see how much he really loves you, how much God loves us as, as a father. And the second one is just how powerful he is. And so uh, this is a really unique passage. So to set the stage, you know, Paul is talking to believers here, and most of these guys are Gentiles, they're not Jews. And so what Paul's just gotten done saying, uh, so he starts out this passage saying, for this reason, and then goes on. The reason he's talking about is, he has just got done saying, man, the gospel's for everybody. The gospel's for Jews, the gospel's for Gentiles, the gospel's for all people. And so for that reason, he's going to go on and... and um, and write this bit of scripture. And so uh, I want to just read this portion of Ephesians 3, starting in verse 14. Uh, we'll go to verse 21. I'm just going to read this passage, and then we're going to slow down and just dig deep here. Uh, we're not in a hurry to get anywhere, so we're going to slow down and go verse by verse. So if you've got a Bible, uh, follow along, verse 14. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. That according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth. And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who's able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. So he starts out this passage saying, for this reason, and then he gives a a really weird phrase. I bow my knees before the Father. Now, if you've been in church for a while, this doesn't sound weird, right? Because you hear people saying, yeah, we... Um, they, they, they even start prayers with, uh, dear father, or father, we come before you, or father, we bow before you. But in this culture, it would be weird because the way they would hear it is like a dad, they would think, oh, you don't bow before your dad. 
It's strange because the Jewish posture of prayer was standing. Like when they pray to God, they would stand, right? But who do you bow to? You bow to kings. You bow to royalty. So no one comes to your earthly dad and be like, Oh, daddy, father. You know, like it'd be a weird thing to bow your knee before your earthly dad. And so these guys, when they're hearing, I bow my knees before the father, it'd be like, wait, what? Bow my knees. So I think what he's showing us here is that God is our father, but God is also our king. It's two different themes in the same passage where he's talking about, man, we have the intimate access to God as our dad, as our father, and we have access to the king, to the kingly power. So, you know, we don't have kings in our culture, obviously, not in America. So the closest thing we can get to is a president. So, um, man, if you can put your mind here, think about what it would be like if your dad was the man, was the president. Not like if your dad was Donald Trump. That's different. Uh, But think about, like, your earthly dad. Picture your dad as the president. How would it go? Like, somebody like, uh, heck no, he would run this thing into the ground in a minute. But like, think about if, if your dad was the president, you would have access to the most powerful man in the world in a way that no one else would. You know, everybody else sees him on TV and stuff. You would see him eating cereal in the mornings, right? It would be such a weird thing for your dad to be president. There, uh, Brody's cousin was in the Secret Service for a while. And he guarded uh, President Bush, the younger President Bush. And he said it was so weird. You know, sometimes you'd be guarding the president. You know, you just stand outside his door all night and just wait, you know, make sure no bad guys came in or anything. He said one night, he was at like 3 in the morning. He's just standing outside the door. And all of a sudden, the door, like, boom, 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 busts open. And the most powerful man in the world, the president of the United States, he comes out. He's got bed head like this, like his hair sticking straight up. And he's got on an airbrushed Myrtle Beach tank top. And he's like hey, man, I got to go get some medicine. I'm not feeling good. <laughs> like, stumbles down the hallway, and he's like, oh, my gosh, this is the most powerful man in the world. He's wearing a Myrtle Beach shirt, you know, like stumbling down the hallway. So you think if your dad was the president, you would have access to that side. You'd see him eating cereal in the mornings. You'd see the stuff that the news didn't see. So you'd have access to the daddy side, but you would not have access to the presidential side. You know, if your dad was the president, you couldn't, like, pull the strings and be like, hey, dad, can you pass a law? You know, like you couldn't say, hey, can you shoot a missile over here? Or can you rename a state for me? Or can you put my face on the dollar bill? Or, you know, you wouldn't have access to that. Everything would be, no, no, no. So you would have access to this side, the daddy side, but you would not have access to the presidential power. What Paul's talking about in this passage is that God is our father and God is the king, and we have access both to the intimacy of a father and to the power of the king. He's just talked about that access in Ephesians 2. He said, For through him we both have access in one spirit to the father. So then you're no longer strangers and aliens, but you're fellow citizens with the saints, and you're members of the household of God, or members of the family of God. So he goes on, he says, For this reason I bow my knees before the father, verse 15, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. Okay, that's kind of weird too. Are there families in heaven? That's a weird one to think about. I think he's talking about the larger family, like part of it in heaven, part of it on earth, right? But he's, he's given us an analogy. He's given us an illustration here. Every family, every father is named after God, which means God is the source of all fatherhood and the source of all family. You ever think about 
that it's weird that we have families? Why are we grouped together in dad, mom, and kids? Why are we grouped together in families like that? It's strange. Why did God set it up like that? In part because families, the idea of family, it's a skit. It's an illustration so that you can understand God better. Us having fathers, that is an illustration so that you can understand your relationship with God better. Us having brothers and sisters, that's an illustration. It's a skit to illustrate your relationship with your, uh, your spiritual brothers and sisters, with the body of Christ. So let me pause here and say, we're going to talk a lot about family and a lot about father in this session and all week. So man, I'm praying that you don't get derailed by your relationship with your earthly dad. Whether your, your relationship with your dad was great or whether it was terrible, all earthly dads fall short. All of them. All of them are imperfect. And the picture he's painting is so much larger than your earthly dad. Right? What he's saying is all families are named for God, not vice versa. So don't see God through the lens of your dad. That would be like, you ever taken binoculars and look through them the wrong way? Right, everything, when you look through them that way, everything looks small and blurry and way far off. If you see God through the lens of your dad, it's going to make him look small and weak. What he's saying is, you should see your dad through the lens of God. This family and fatherhood, it's a tool to magnify God so we can see him what he's really like. So from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. Verse 16. He's saying now he's going to pray some things for you and for me. Paul is. He's going to pray it for the Ephesians. He's going to pray it for us. But first he's going to tell us God's going to give us gifts as father to kids. And he's going to tell us how God's going to give those gifts. He says he's praying that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you or he may gift you. All right. This is how a dad gives according to his riches. So just to illustrate. So I've got four kids. Uh, I've got three biological kids, and then one kid, he's a foster kid. He's been living with us for like uh, maybe five months or so. Cool kid. He's like six years old. He's super country. He's, yeah, he's fun. And y'all probably seen him around here. But So I've got these kids that I give to these kids, my kids, I give gifts to them differently than I'd give somebody else's kids. So Zach, the guy that was just singing up here, we roomed together in college uh, for a couple years, and then we roomed together here at Snowbird for a really long time. So we know each other really good. And he's got four kids as well. And so what if I gave a gift to one of Zach's kids? The way I give to one of Zach's kids is, if we can use this illustration, I give to them out of my riches. Riches, you know. So like if I were to give one of his kids tonight at the block party, if I'm like, hey Jackson, here's a quarter, go buy you a sucker. Then I take a little bit of what's mine and I give it to him. I give to him out of my riches, right? That's not the way you give to your own kids. I give to my kids according to my riches. What that means is everything I got is yours. My house, your house. My dog, your dog. My food, your food. My truck, your truck. Like, you've got it. You live in my house. Everything that I've got is ours. It's family. And this is the way that God gives his gifts to us. It's, like, it's not like God goes back to his vault and takes a little bit of grace and is like, there you go. Because God's our Father, it's like He opens the door and offers us all the riches. He gives to us according to His grace. Everything He has is ours if we're in Christ. So He's saying that according to His riches, how He's going to give you, according to the riches of His glory, He may grant you. And here's what He asks He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being 
so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And then he goes on to talk about being rooted and grounded in God's love. But what he's praying for, and I, I know not everybody in here is, believer, is a believer. Not everybody in here really has God as their father. You know, because just because we are humans doesn't mean we're God's children. We're God's creation. But not everybody in here, unless you've followed Christ and put your trust in him and repented from your sins, you're not his kid. If you have, man, you are his kid. And what Paul's saying here is true of you. He says, according to the rich of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. What that means is, God's Holy Spirit lives inside of you if you're a Christian. That should blow your mind. God who created everything, who has all power, lives inside of you. And he says it a different way. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Jesus himself is living inside of you if you're a believer. That is huge. That is way more intimate than any father. He's living inside of you. You ever wonder where we get that phrase, you know, ask Jesus into your heart or Jesus came into your heart? It's from this right here. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And we know this isn't like Jesus is living in the actual muscle that's pumping blood to your body. It's that Jesus is in your inner being. The Spirit of God, Jesus himself, is living inside of you. More powerful than any president and closer than any father. He doesn't just give us gifts. He doesn't just give us his riches. He's giving us himself living inside of us. So with this power and this intimate access, with the Spirit living inside of us, he prays this for us. He prays that we'd be strengthened, the Spirit living inside of us, Jesus living inside of us. Here's what he prays for you, and here's what I pray for you as well, that you may be rooted and grounded in love. All right, what does that mean? Y'all are in high school, y'all are smart enough to take this passage and really think through it, right? He's praying that you would be so rooted, it's like an imagery of a tree, that you'd be rooted and strong in love. Now, you expect him to say that you'd be rooted and strong in theology or something. But he's saying, he's praying that you would be so rooted and strong in God's love towards you. That imagery of a tree, you know, uh, we don't get many, where y'all live, some of y'all, I know some of y'all's churches, where y'all are from, you get a lot of tornadoes or hurricanes. We do not up here because they're mountains. But where I grew up, we had tornadoes like all the time. I grew up in Columbus, Georgia, and it was like every week or two, you'd have a tornado drill. Y'all have these where they blow the whistle or blow the the bell and you got to go out into the hallway and put your head down and all that because we had tornadoes that come through all the time and they would they would trash the whole place but here man the mountains stop them so you don't have any tornadoes except i've lived here for 19 years a long time and we had one tornado come through and it was maybe like eight years ago or so and it didn't come through andrews it came through the next town over in murphy if y'all been over there to the walmart over there that's that's kind of where it went through and you can see exactly where that tornado came through because the trees are still down. You can see it went, I mean, every tree in the path, that tornado is like, bah, 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 because no tree can withstand 140 mile an hour, hour wind. So the weakest part of that tree is going to break. And up here, ironically, the weakest part of these trees is the root. Because, you know, here you got these super tall poplars and stuff that have these big branches, but the roots aren't that strong. They don't need to be. You know, they're not that deep because everything here is rock. So when the winds come on those trees, the weakest part breaks, and every one of those trees, bop, 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 they all uproot. In different parts of the world, it's not like that. So, you know, uh, Puerto Rico had a, a real bad hurricane that hit Hurricane Maria not long ago. 
And, you know, they get hit by hurricanes all the time. And the way that God's designed the trees down there is very different. So Hurricane Maria went down the whole island like this. Well, there is a, like a national forest on the end of Puerto Rico called El Yunque Forest. And the way that God designed those trees there is not like the trees here. The trees here, the weakest part's the root. Down there, the weakest part's the canopy. So as soon as those hurricanes come through, they come rushing through, and the tops of all those trees go snap, 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 snap. And so, the, I mean, all the leaves break off, all the branches break off, and what you're left with, it just looks like a forest full of telephone poles, you know? But what's ironic is a hurricane hit that forest full force, and 95% of the trees survived because their root system is huge. They have these giant root balls that connect to these other trees, and so 95% of these trees survive because the roots are strong. And after the storm passes, the very next year, they're green again. Little branches are starting to grow. And so here, what Paul's praying is, with the Holy Spirit living inside of you, he's praying that you would be rooted and strong and grounded in God's love towards you. Like you need a foundation. You need to find your identity in the way that God feels about you. If I were to ask you right now, does God love you? Almost everybody in the room would be like, yeah. But do you feel it? Because a lot of us know in our heads that God loves us, but we feel that God's disappointed in us, or that God's really mad at us, or that God's eh, iffy on us. Here he's saying, man, he's praying that you be rooted and grounded and confident in God's love towards you. If you're a Christian, you should be confident in the way that God feels about you, right? Because confident in God's love towards you is going to help you weather life storms. Some of y'all are like 14 and have already weathered huge storms in your life. I mean, we know this. We've been talking to you guys. Confidence and identity in God's love for you rather than, you know, so many people find their identity in what they're good at. Or they find their identity in what they're bad at. But here he's saying, man, you need to be confident in God's love towards you. And that's going to be, that's going to root you. So when the real storms of life come, like when your earthly dad actually leaves, or when, you know, those friends that you love turn their back on you, when the winds howl and the branches start breaking off, he's praying that you be rooted and grounded in Christ's love towards you to be able to survive. Because he loves you. He lives inside of you. He has adopted you. He's rescued you. And Paul's prayer is that you be so rooted and grounded that you have your foundation and your identity in Christ's love towards you. So he's talking about this love, and Paul starts picking up steam. And when Paul gets excited, he starts, like, having terrible grammar. He starts having terrible—some of y'all are like this, you know, uh, like— he starts having run-on sentences and sentence fragments and not even finishing thoughts. And so he's getting excited because he's talking about— Man, the Holy Spirit living inside of you, you'd be rooted and grounded and strong in God's love for you. And he starts picking up steam talking about God's love. And he's talking about his love in verse 18. He says, that you may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth. Dot, dot, dot. He didn't finish the sentence. He's getting so excited about the love of God. He's, he's like, man, you're going to need supernatural strength to even begin to understand how much God loves you. Pull out a measuring stick. You can't measure how deep God's love is for you. You will never be able to understand it. You're going to need supernatural strength to even begin to know it. You're going to need the strength of the Holy Spirit to begin to scratch the surface of how much God loves you. I think about this with my kids. You know, y'all, most of y'all, don't have kids yet. When you have kids, man, that is a different level of love. 
It really is, man. I tell my kids all the time, you know, 50 times a day, I'm like, hey, I love you. And at this point, they're like, love you. Or, I know, or, okay. <laughs> yeah, because they hear it so much. And I'm like, no, but for real, I really, really love you. And they have no concept of how much I actually love them. Man, tonight, you know, when everybody's in bed, I'll go back home real late, and I'll pray over each one of my kids in their bed. And man, I, I pray that I can just pause and I can stop time and keep those little guys in my house, man. I love them so much. I pray, man, that they would be confident in God's love for them, that they wouldn't find their identity in how they look or in what they're good at. And I love those guys so much, and they will never comprehend that. They'll never understand how much I love them. And that's what Paul's saying here. You're going to need strength to even begin to understand how much God loves you. And he's getting caught up. He's building momentum and saying, man, you, you're going to need strength to comprehend the the breadth and the length and the height and the depth. In verse 19, he says, to know the love of Christ that, that surpasses knowledge. He's like, you, you're going to need strength to know the love of Christ. I forget it. You can't know it. It's, it's too much. It's too big. It's too wide. It's beyond knowledge. It surpasses knowledge. You ever have one of those experiences where, you know, like Paul's saying, this is, it goes beyond knowledge to really knowing about it. You ever have one of those experiences where like, maybe, maybe like this week at camp, you go home and try to describe this week to like your friends who weren't here or to your parents and you'll be like oh man it was great we went down the river and so and so did this and then you know we were singing and all these people 500 people singing in there and your friends will be like oh, that's cool and you're like no but you don't get it and they're like no I get it it's cool it's camp and you're like no but you, uh. you ever you ever been like in a situation like that where you're trying to describe something to somebody so I went to a, um, a wilderness school when I was 23 it was awesome so I grew up in Georgia so I'd never done anything like this but I went to the school where they're teaching us like wilderness skills and survival stuff. So we spent over a month living in the desert. It was crazy. Like we were drinking out of these, I mean, searching for water, drinking out of these little oily puddles, you know, sandstorms rolling in. It, it was crazy. We got to spend weeks living in igloos, learning how to build them and sleeping in igloos. And so I come back from that experience and I'm trying to describe it to my friends and I'm like, we were living in igloos, and they're like, oh, that's cool, and I'm like, no, but I mean, it was so scary, you know, I try to describe it to them, and I, I'm describing like this one night in the desert, this sandstorm rolls up, and we can see it coming, we're like, oh, shoot, oh, shoot, all right, so everybody's trying to get down, I wedge myself between these two rocks, and I take a jacket and just put it over my face like this, and all night, it's just like, Wah! I mean, like you see in the movies, like sandstorm for real, and so when I finally wake up, I take my jacket off, and I've got sand, like, caked in my eyes, and it's all between every one of my teeth. And, like, but, and I try to describe that, and I, it just falls short to the people who weren't there. I try to describe living in the igloo. Y'all, I was freaked out being in that igloo the first night, because I come from Georgia, where we see this much snow every third year or so, you know? And we're living in this igloo. The walls are, like, this thick of ice blocks, and so we build this thing, and then they're like, great, you built it, you sleep in it. And I'm thinking, I don't, I don't, no, I've never done this before. I, just, I shouldn't sleep in it. And so all night, I've got my headlamp on, and every few minutes, I'm like, click. I click it on, like, look at the ceiling, like, all right, no cracks. I think we're good. And my friends are all like, let's light some candles in here. And I'm like, heck no. They can't, they're enemies, candles and igloos. They're like at war. You can't put them together. But, like, I try to describe those nights to my friends and it just falls short because there's a kind of knowing that goes past facts. 
that goes past just book learning. You know what I'm saying? I can describe being in an igloo, but unless you were there beside me, you wouldn't know what it's like. And that's what Paul's saying. He's saying he's praying that you would know and feel and experience the love of Christ that goes beyond facts, that goes beyond just book learning. Man, so many of us have just a bookish, small knowledge of the love of God. But he's saying there's a love that is more than just knowing. It surpasses knowing. It goes beyond it to feeling and experiencing what I know. So like for my kids, it's not enough for me to tell them, hey man, I love you. They'll say, yeah, I know. That's just knowing in your brain. But I try to help them to feel what I feel about them. So with my kids, man, today I went home and I wrestled one of my kids for like a half hour. And then I rode dirt bikes with my other kid. And then I sat and watched my daughter do yoga for a while. You know, it's just like I try to have these shared experiences where I look them in the eye and we play hard together. And I wrestle with them and I snuggle with them and I talk to them and I laugh with them so that they can feel this connection that goes beyond just I love you. So they can feel I love you. And this is what Paul's saying. He's praying that you would go beyond the bookish, I know God loves me, to feeling it. Not that God's disappointed in you, but that he loves you as his kid. Again, many people don't get this connection, God is father, because of your earthly father. Or this connection of family, because of your earthly family. And I'm praying, just like Paul's praying, if your family was a stumbling block to knowing this love, rather than a helper or an aid to knowing this love, I mean, I'm praying what Paul's praying, that you would begin to really by the power of the Spirit inside of you, that you begin to know and feel the love of God because He is our good Father. Now, God knows that His love for us is beyond our knowing. So He puts like a billion stories in the Bible to tell us what His love is like. You think about what's, what's your favorite story in the Bible about God's love for you. There's so many of them, so many. And, and like there's one story where, um, y'all remember that story of Jesus healing the leper? The guy with leprosy? Right, he's got this disease where he can't feel pain. So he could put his hand in the fire and never know it and burn his hand off. Like, he keeps getting these sores and doesn't know it. And so, like, everybody's so freaked out about catching leprosy that they would say, dude, if you got leprosy, you can't even come in our town. In fact, they thought that if a leper shadow passed over you, you just got leprosy. And so they were like, those guys got to stay away. We will not touch them. We will not greet them. We will not talk to them. And all of a sudden, one day, Jesus is in this huge crowd of people, and this leper just starts running to Jesus. And the whole crowd's like, no, 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 no. Like, you can see him just parting like this. And everybody's like, oh, man, Jesus is going to condemn this guy. He's going to tell him, get back to your city. But instead of doing that, Luke says he stretched out his hand and he touches him. He lays his hand on this guy that no one loved. He is touching the untouchable. And I'm sure everybody in the crowd's like, Ah, Jesus just got leprosy. I can't believe he did that. You know, but when Jesus touches something dirty, he doesn't get dirty. That thing gets clean. And so, man, he's reaching out his hand showing, I love the unlovable. So many stories in there. You remember that story where they brought this woman who'd been caught in the act of adultery? They bring her in. They're like, hey, Jesus, if you're God, we should throw rocks at her until she dies, right? We should crush her with rocks. And Jesus, instead of condemning her, he forgives her. Everybody else said she is beyond forgiveness. And Jesus said, I forgive her, I love her. There's so many stories about the love of God. Even the parables he tells. He tells so that you can understand how much he loves you. He tells stories of leaving all these sheep to run off and find this one lost sheep. That's how much he loves you. 
he tells these stories of like the prodigal son, this kid who goes to his dad and is like, hey dad, uh, I know that when you die, I'm going to get a whole lot of money. Kind of wish that had already happened. So can I just go ahead and get the money and take off? And the dad gives him the money. The son runs out and just wastes it. Uses all the money up, hits a low point way down the road, and finally is like, oh man, I, I got to go back to dad. Like, I I'm going to die if I don't go back to dad, but there's no way I can go back as a son. Maybe I can go back as a servant. So he practices his speech. He's still a long way off. He's like, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. If I can just be your servant and accept me into your house. And it says while he's still a long way off, he's approaching the house and his dad sees him from a long way off and starts running to his son. And he doesn't condemn him. He hugs him, brings him back as a son. That's what God's love like like touching the untouchable, like forgiving the unforgivable, like running to the son that rebelled from him. Like it's over and over in scripture. He's like, my love's like a marriage. My love's like a family. My love's like an adoption. It's like a rescue. It's like I bought you. I chose you. And it's not like you just got to pick one of these stories. It's like this and this and this and this and all these stories still can't contain how much God loves you. That is huge. If you get nothing else this week, Understanding God really, really loves you. And being rooted and grounded in that, that's going to help you weather life storms. He says that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So, so far, he has talked about God as father. How much dad, how much the father really loves you. And now he's going to swap and start talking about God as king. God is king, that he is powerful. And we have access not just to the intimacy of father, but to the power of the king as well. Verse 20, he says this. Now, to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or all we think according to the power at work within us. He's saying, not only does God love us more than you could even begin to imagine, he can do way more than you ask or think. You think about the power that God has. What power does God have? All of it. He's keeping you breathing right now. You are not. He's keeping your heart beating. He's keeping people alive on the other side of the planet. He's keeping animals alive and oceans where they should be. He holds all power. You know, at my, at my house, we watch all those, um, what are they, like Blue Planet or Planet Earth or whatever. We love those shows. They're kind of boring sometimes, but sometimes they get really exciting. So we, we watch this one. <laughs> I, forget, I forget if it's oceans or Arctic or whatever. Y'all have probably seen this, at least this scene. We're sitting in our living room and we're watching the scene where there's this beautiful little baby seal on, y'all know what I'm talking about? He's floating on top of the water, and he's almost just smiling at the camera. And my kids are all like, oh, look, it's a little baby. And right at that moment, it's a slow-mo shot, but you see, all you see is teeth coming up from underneath. It's a slow-mo shot, but there's like a 21-foot great white that's coming up from underneath the seal like this. And you just see, he just up there grinning like this, and these teeth open up, and my kids go, oh, no, 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 no. And that shark hits the seal. I mean, he must have been going, I don't know how fast, but he's flying from, like, the bottom of the ocean, just like, and when he hits the seal on the surface, it's just like, wham, but it's in slow-mo. So my kids, as soon as he clamps down on the seal, my kids are like, no, and he just keeps rising, like, all the way till his whole body's out of the, the like 20 foot shark and he turns sideways and my kids are going no and he cl- I mean comes back in you think of how much power a 20 foot shark has to raise that high out 
And we're watching these shows just like blown away at the power of nature, at storms knocking down trees. You think about God doesn't just control the power in nature. He has all power over nature. He says he can do more than you can even think according to, not out of his power, but according to his power that's at work inside of you. What power is he talking about? Man, if you're a believer, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is at work in you. That is huge. And we have access not just to the daddy side, but to the kingly power as well. What does that mean? We can do, he can do more than we ask or think. So what do we ask or think? We are talking to the king, the all-powerful king. We have access to the kingly power. So let me ask you this. Can God actually give you freedom from that one sin you cannot beat? Absolutely. He's powerful enough to split the oceans. Is God powerful enough to save that one family member that you're like, not that guy? He's powerful enough to save Paul, who is like a terrorist. Is God powerful enough to forgive you for that one thing that you did? Is he powerful enough to change you? He has all power. He is powerful enough to raise the dead, and he raised Jesus so that he could forgive you. He can do more than you can ask or imagine, according to his power that's at work within us. So Paul's finishing up these thoughts. Paul gets really excited. And he's been talking about God loves you more than you could ever imagine. And he's more powerful than you could even think about or ever ask about. And these two thoughts together cause Paul to just erupt in worship. This father love and this kingly power. So he ends the whole thing in just worship. Saying, to God be all the glory. Infinite love, infinite power, and he's your dad. Some of you, he's your dad. He says, to God be all the glory in the church. That's in us. God wants to show his power in and through us. To God be all the glory in Christ Jesus. To God be all the glory throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. What that means is this isn't a trend. Like glory to anything else, like a team or an artist, glory to anything else will be a few years. will be temporary. But glory to God is going to be forever. To the King, to our Father. So, it's early in the week. It's Tuesday. Some of y'all do not know God as your father. Man, that can happen tonight. Encourage you guys to talk to your youth pastor. Get your questions asked. Encourage you to talk about this in share group. Now, others of you, many of you are believers. But maybe you don't feel confident and rooted and grounded in Christ's love towards you. And that process can begin tonight too. As you really talk about understanding how much God loves you. He's at work in you as the king. And he loves you more than you could even imagine as Father. Let's pray. Jesus, I pray that you would help us to understand these realities, that you can do more than we could ask or think, and you love us more than we could ever imagine. Lord, for those reasons, we bow our knees before you, and we worship you, and and we know that all glory belongs to you throughout all generations forever and ever. And God, I pray that we'd worship you now. I pray that for those folks in the room that are not believers, I pray you call them to yourself tonight. I pray that they would repent and become yours. For those that are believers, Lord, I pray that they'd be more and more rooted and grounded in your love towards them. We love you, Lord, and want to worship you now. In your name we pray. Amen.